Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello, everyone. Again, this is Brett Ridgway with the Spotlight on Speaking Show. And I will be bringing to you every week a new speaking industry pro where they'll share their speaker journey, some things that they've learned along the way that will help you succeed, and also share some of the mistakes that they made that you definitely want to avoid. We'll also share a tip from my book, How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business, sometime later in the show. But I'm so excited this week to welcome a longtime colleague, a man I so respect in the industry. And here's what Tony Robbins says about my guest today. Mike is an extraordinary man. He's brought me insights on how to reach people on the Internet that are so valuable. This is a man you should deal with. Take advantage of what he has to offer. Mike is known for his being a media master who knows how to help the international clients get attention, create premium brands, and elevate the status in days. Now, Mike and I go back about 20 years personally. I think I first met Mike at an internet marketing conference. I believe it was in Orlando at a Michael Palin event, probably, and it was probably Mike's first speaking engagement. But that that encounter there in Orlando led to Mike becoming a fulfillment client for the company I founded called Speaker Fulfillment Services over a number of years. And then also, I was also privileged to speak on several of Mike's stages over the years. But Mike is a serial entrepreneur, an angel investor, a judge on Entrepreneur.com's Elevator Pitch TV show, a 13-time best-selling author. Gosh, Mike, I feel like I'm such an underachiever, man. I've only written eight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's co-host of the Capability Amplifier podcast with strategic coach founder Dan Sullivan and The Big Leap with business sage and New York Times best-selling author Gay Hendricks. And Mike has had four business exits, two in the publicly traded companies, his first digital cafe, one of the first digital marketing agencies in the world, sold to IPG, the Interpublic Group. His two SaaS companies, Traffic Geyser and Instant Customer, were sold to a publicly traded company. And his most recent was You Everywhere Now to a Private Buyer. So welcome, Mike Koenigs, to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Woohoo! Hey, Brett, thanks. Nice to see you. Always nice to see you. It's uh you brought me back to the way back old days there. It's, I can't believe it's almost been 20 years. Oh, man. It just goes by in such a hurry, too, doesn't it? Yes, it does. We're old guys. <laughs> well, I got a, I got a few of you. Where's that gray beard, Mike? I don't see that gray beard yet. I'll tell you what. I shave it off. I shave that <laughs> off. I, uh, I'm i going to squeeze as, ma- as much time out of his face as I can if I'm on camera like this. So. Hey, man, I'm, I'm owning it, man. I earn those gray <laughs> <laughs> gotta have gotta have the uh silver fox gray beards out there that's for sure 
All right, Mike. So you've been at this speaking thing for a long time, but obviously you've been involved with a whole lot of things. So share with our folks today a little bit about your speaking journey, how you got into the industry, what led up to it, mm-hmm. et cetera. Well, it uh, it did begin with that Michael Penland um uh, speech as you were talking about and what had occurred uh prior was i had a company a digital marketing agency and after i actually a little bit before i sold it i started studying some of the online marketing gurus at the time that were out there and i noticed one in particular did an offer and he sold a thousand packages for a thousand dollars each and I can remember doing the math in my head and in, in my mind, reaching a million dollars seemed like an impossibility until I realized a thousand times a thousand is a million. And I was like, I think I could probably figure out how to do that someday. And that really inspired me. So I went to my first uh, internet marketing event called the Armin Morin um, big, big seminar. seminar. Yep. And there I met some of the original some of the first generation online marketers, uh, including Mike Filsame, Jeff Walker, uh, I think Frank Kern was there, uh, John Reese, and um, a couple other guys too that I, I actually can't recall their names right now, but th- some of the old guys. And I can remember watching them speak from stage, and I didn't know what a pitch fest was, but you know, you'd get up on sp- stage, you'd speak a little. And then you'd sell your product. You know, you'd have like a 50 minute presentation and then maybe you'd go 75 minutes on stage total. And I watched these guys and, you know, I'd do the math, you know, they're selling a $500 offer from stage. Um, and 75 people went up and, and got that thing. I was like, huh, yeah, it's 35 grand, you know? And at the time I didn't know that you did a split with the stage owner at the time. That's the, typical scenario where um they let you speak you speak and sell you get half the money they get half the money which is actually a very fair deal but um you know that at least sparked it and while i was there i made a decision that i was going to make a digital product of some nature and i didn't just do one i wound up doing two one with a woman named ariel ford and we created a product called everything you should know about publishing publicity, promotion, and building a platform, which is really how authors make money. And she was known for for producing 13 New York Times number one best-selling authors when you had to, back in the old days, when you had to pound the ground and sell books. You couldn't get away with little schemey, scammy things like uh, went on for a long time. And she represented Deepak Chopra, um, Wayne Dyer, Neil Donald Walsh, Don Miguel Ruiz from the Four Agreements, um, and her sister Debbie Ford, Louise Hay from Hay House Books, Jack Canfield. I mean, some of the biggest of the big. And she wanted to get out of the business. And I said, why don't we just capture your wisdom and knowledge and I'll make a product. I'll do all the work and I'll split the money with you 50-50. And she agreed with that. And we she came into my, at the time, garage, and I recorded her, and I did interviews with her. And we put together this big product that you actually distributed and, and packaged and, and uh, delivered for us. But at the time, I think it was a $500 product. Eventually, we went up to $797 and then $997. But we sold 
a lot of copies of that. And we did it all with teleseminars, but I wasn't subject matter expert, not for a long time anyway. So I, that wasn't something I could go speak with, but it got my toes in the water of info marketing and info publishing. But the thing that changed my life is I had always loved the idea of infomercials. I used to watch them. I used to go to state fairs and watch the guys, you know, uh, it can chop, it can dice, it can do, 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 you know, and I, I was like, God, those guys are amazing. I watched these carny barkers streaming at a crowd and people would line up and buy. I thought, what a superpower. And then when Joe Sugarman and some of the earliest uh, tell, or, uh, infomercial guys started producing shows, that eventually, in 1984, you could do a half-hour program instead of a two-minute or a three-minute spot on, on regular television. Joe Sugarman sold a billion dollars worth of Blue Blocker sunglasses. Well, through a happenstancy weird thing, a friend introduced me to a guy who introduced me to a guy. I ended up meeting some of the original infomercial geniuses and pioneers who, when I talked to them and I said, I want to uh, adapt the television infomercial to the Internet. They were so interested and curious. They said, whatever you want, I'll help you. And they didn't charge me anything. So I wound up becoming an expert on adapting the television infomercial to the internet. This is well before there was a YouTube. And we released the product in 2003 um, at first. And I believe it was 2005 is when YouTube came out. So um, our first way of selling it was with a direct sales letter and a little television infomercial or a online infomercial. And that's back when you had to host your own video. It would cost $10,000 a month just to host the video. So it could play back in a little postage stamp size video. Yeah, my, how the world has changed. Yes, it has. And, um, and we created software to write your scripts for you, like a fill in the blank thing. And it would pop out an infomercial. Uh, we taught you how to edit. I mean, it was like step by step by step. And there was no one that could compare because I had already had a fair amount of film production background, um, video production background. And I figured out how to hack a bunch of early things on the internet that, um, you know, gave us a leg up and would be very difficult to knock off. And anyway, so to fast forward, a uh, guy who is mentoring, um, my business partner, Rocket Hellstrom, and me said, why don't you come speak at an internet marketing event? And uh, in a way, you didn't have to ask twice, but that meant I had to create a, a PowerPoint deck, um, really learn the close, because, you know, when you're out on stage and you've, you're only seeing, uh, you know, someone speak and sell for the first time, you don't see all the patterns, you know, you don't see the structure, how to, what to say, when to say it, how to say it, the timing, the rhythm. I mean, it's like performing a concert. Mm -hmm. And if you're an effective closer and can move half the room, let's say you got a room of 200 people and 100 buy and you're selling a $1,000 product, well, you're 10% of your way to your million-dollar goal, really a 20th when you do the splits. But uh and I think that's where I really learned by the time I got done, you know, I had a business partner. I had someone who got me the, the speaking gig and then I had to split with Michael 
And and by the time we paid for our airfare and our hotel and our food and that kind of thing, I probably walked away with maybe 15% of the 100%, maybe 20. But um, but we we're on our way. And, you know, I ended up meeting you and a few other people. Um, I actually remember the guy who mentored us. His name was Mark Hendricks. And um, from there, I just started getting calls. And people would, you know, they saw that I, I was a closer. I had something very unique to sell. Um, and yeah, but the things kind of snowballed from there. Now, how many speaking engagements do you estimate you've done over your last 20 year period or whatever? Well, I mean, also, uh, events too. So you did a lot of speaking and emceeing and hosting and all that, which is a whole different genre it is yeah you know the the thing about the speaking world is it is seductive and when we get the once you get a reputation for being an entertainer and a closer and you got a good product that has low refunds which mine always did um I think I was doing at least 70 to a hundred speaking gigs a year at my peak. Um, it It's possible. I maybe even did more than that at one point because I might be away for a weekend and speak at two events. Um, and then sometimes something happened during the week. So I could, I could have three in a week, uh, yeah. but um, you know, eventually that takes a toll on your marriage, your health, and and it certainly did for me. So, do you consider yourself these days, Mike, to be more of a a still a self from the platform speaker, or are you more of a keynoter these days, or do you still do a combination of the two in some way? I do very few keynote speeches, and the reason is if you get a call to do a keynote speech. And let's say my fee is $50,000. That's still probably a half, maybe a third of what I'd earn if I have a room that's big enough of buyers. Mm -hmm. And the God honest truth is I love to sell. And I eventually turned my act, I guess you could say, my performance into hey, I'm going to show you how this works. So I would actually perform an infomercial on stage explaining how it was organized and put together. And so I could do an, a genuinely authentic presentation. And I would say, hey, th none of this matters if it doesn't work. And I have a rule, which is never go to school and take lessons from a tenured professor because they haven't done anything real in probably decades. Okay. It's one of the reasons I always hated school is because most teachers can only teach. They can't do any longer. You know, they're, they've been teaching so long, they've lost whatever edge they may have had. This isn't an always, but in my experience, it was most of the time. And I never respected the teacher. You know, I was horrible at school. I always had a big challenge with uh, authority. So um, I think Again, if if I had my druthers, sure. Someone just said, "Hey, just show up, do whatever you want to do. I'll pay fifty grand and uh, first class accommodations and flights." I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, you know that's that's all right." If it's somewhere I want to go to, 
Um, you can you can definitely improve the situation if that includes a private jet too. You know, it's uh, one of Dan Kennedy's uh, requirements. And I've got clients now that have private jets, so it's not uncommon to get that kind of a uh, experience. But um, I'm over answering your question. But it all comes down to, you know, where you find your skill set and do you have something to sell? And are you going to be in a room where you can sell something? And the other thing would be, let's say someone calls and the inevitable negotiation comes up and it's like, what are your fees? And I'd be like, well, it's $50,000 or $75,000 or whatever it is, plus, plus, plus. And they're like, well, we don't have that kind of budget. I'd be like, well, what do you got? You know, and they might say we have $15,000. Um, and we can get your, uh, hotel, but not your airfare. I'm like, well, how about this? What if what we do is, uh, well, I'll ask him if I can sell something, you know, I got something really good. Da, 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 da. If I can sell it, I'll just keep the money. You don't have to pay me anything. Okay. Or the first 15 or, you know, sometimes you can say the first 50 is all mine. And then I'll even split it with you or give you some money for, uh, a a cause or charity of your choice. Another thing that I might do is say, let's use that budget and you can buy copies of my book and and I will speak and then offer a book signing at the end of the day and, and autographs and ask for donations for the book. And then we'll get, I'll give all that money away. In fact, I'll match it and I'll give it to a charity of your choice. And that's the reason we give people that chance. So it's sort of like, if you want the book signed, just go back to the room, back in the room. We'll have a big, you know, glass vase or something, put in any donation. I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care if it's a hundred dollars, but all of it's going to go to this charity and I'll double whatever's in that box. Okay. That's a big motivator. It creates a sense of, um charity and a giving attitude in the speaker and then again if i can sell something i've done that before where i may have done uh an opening keynote and then the and that might be the first day and then the slot right before lunch on the second day i might do my selling slot or a lead generation slot the point being that gives me two exposures to the audience right and i know i can walk away you know it doesn't take a lot of people to produce a hundred thousand dollars worth of business nowadays my offer is a hundred fifty thousand dollars to work with me and i mean i i can go to any event pick up a client even in a room with 20 people in it you know it's just not hard for me to do that. I can go to an event that I speak at and I'll, I'll have a half a million dollars worth of business. So who, who gets paid a half million dollars to perform? Presidents do, but not some little nobody from Minnesota like me. You know, it's like, uh, well, apparently that's I, got not no, true. <laughs> I got nothing, you know, apparently that's not true. So so along the way, across those you know hundreds and hundreds of speaking engagements that you've done, whether it's a keynote or a platform selling situation or whatever, what would you boil down maybe your three biggest tips for success as a speaker? Mm. Well, I uh, I teach this whenever I'm working with people. Um. Every product, every service, I don't care if you're selling supplements, cars, 
dresses, jets, um, accounting professional services, or doing what you do. If you're teaching people how to build a platform and speak professionally, Brett, what you are selling is money at a discount. You're saying you pay me $25,000 to train you for the year. And in exchange for that, I'm going to show you a pathway to at least 10x your investment. That would be a great offer, for example. So every offer is uh, consists of make money at a discount. So I'm going to teach you how to make more money than you're spending me. And usually if you can show someone reasonably that they can 10x their investment, you're going to get hand raisers. Okay. The next one is you're selling authority or status. In other words, by being a speaker, you're going to have increased status, authority, thought leadership, and uh, you're going to elevate your status in your community or your peer group or, or, or. It's like, why do you buy a BMW instead of a Honda CRX? Okay. It's because a BMW means something or you're driving a Rolls or a Ferrari. Okay. They're still cars. Um, and these days you can get a Kia and it's a damn good car. You know, it's like, um, so, and then the third is health, longevity, quality of health or lifestyle. And when I say the holy trifecta, the combination of those, we call it get paid, get laid, live forever. That's how I've taught it in the past. It creates a little chuckle in the audience. So, um, again, money status or lifestyle. And the holy trifecta is when you can create a offer that you can show someone is a better life. You know, work with me, I'll give you a better life. Buy my product, I'm going to give you a better life. What, I believe it was Maybelline or Revlon one time, one of the executives got asked something about their products and and what they said is, you know, we sell hope in a bottle. We really tell women, we're going to give you a couple extra years. You're going to look younger. And, it, you know, it's like, why Why do 70-year-old ladies wear lipstick? It's because <laughs> it's shaving away the years. Um, you know, maybe you're in the habit of it. But at the end of the day, you know, we're animal. humans are interesting animals. And we're all motivated by the same things. And when you understand the trifecta, um, you know, what I do these days is I create brands, I create offers, I help people get from the $5,000 sale to the $500,000 sale, um, creating high quality lifestyle businesses after they exit their companies. So that means I have a f- process, a formula I walk everyone through to identify what their greatest superpower is and package that in a way that it can sell for the maximum amount of money. And um, in a way that's lifestyle compatible, it is the holy trifecta, but it's a a formula, Mm -hmm. psychological sales formula. Well, those are all great tips, Mike. And I have a couple other questions I want to ask you, and I want to share a tip from my book, How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, 
three key things entrepreneurs must master to build a profitable speaking business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Good job, Brett. All right. And I am back with my guest, Mike Koenigs. And so, Mike, I'm sure along the way, you've experienced a lot in the speaking industry and all that. But I'm sure there's probably a mistake or two that you made along the way that other people should definitely avoid. Would you mind opening it up and bearing your soul a little bit about some mistakes that you've made along the way? Yep. Um, I've I've made a lot of dumb mistakes. Um, I'm going to rattle off a few easy ones that I never uh, mess up on any longer, but... <laughs> I have been to events before where the the whoever's running the event has a cheap crappy projector um no remote uh their cables fail or an audio cable is uh crackly or their microphone is junk or 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 all kinds of technical problems so I always travel with two laptops and two bags of cables, connections and ends and my own microphones. And no matter what I, in fact, um, if I have any question in my mind, I can, I travel with my own projector too, and I can swap it out anywhere in um, five minutes. So, but when I traveled without extras and you're, at the like, let's say you get somewhere and you're a Mac user and the producer is using a PC, um, and they're like, "Well, you're gonna have to convert your presentation to run on PowerPoint." I'm like, "No, I'm not. That ain't gonna happen because um, it'll screw up my fonts and everything else." But you know, if you get put into that position, you know, one of the biggest, my biggest lessons is never be someone's bitch or some hardware's bitch. So um, it will screw you because if you're up and suddenly you're using unfamiliar hardware, your deck looks like crap and uh, you're supposed to be selling something. It becomes a, ma- a major distraction both to the audience and to you, and it'll throw you off and you can't afford to jack up your confidence. Um, another thing that I did, I think I got cocky over time. You know, I was in such demand. I had so many opportunities that there were some people I didn't give the time of day to, you know, that old saying, um, uh, beware of, uh, let's see, how's it go? Something along about how you treat people on the way up. Um, Mm -hmm. because that's how they're going to treat you on, on your way down. And that's inevitable. You're going to have hills and valleys. And, um, I don't know if I was ever a real ass, but I'm sure I was. And part of it is I was so busy. I was on the road. My marriage was falling apart. Eventually my health fell apart and I was diagnosed with stage three, a colorectal cancer 10 years ago. And that just about killed me. And I had to really, really re-examine my relationship with speaking because I think speaking to some degree harm my health. Cause I was out, you know, every, every night, if you're, if you're speaking two, three nights a week traveling, like I was, 
you're going to be, you know, and you're young, like I was, and you have a appearance, of a little bit of a rock star. Everyone wants to party with you. You're going to go out and two drinks turns into five and you got to be up early and you got to be on your best. And uh, if you're hung over, your performance isn't going to be that good. So never get sloppy is, is another key one. So, um, and don't do any of the stuff at the expense of your family because uh, my first business digital cafe cost me my first marriage. My second and third businesses cost me nearly cost me my second marriage, my relationship with my only son and my life. Um, And it took me a long time to temper my ambitions and my fear-based greed and the realization that some of what I was doing had more to do with resolving childhood trauma of growing up in a small town, never having money, feeling ashamed, feeling not smart, not good enough, not enough, not having enough or fear of running out. And I was so busy that I wasn't smart. And I think that's a very common thing for a lot of speakers because it's your own little version of being a little mini rock star for a period of time. And um, I didn't learn the act of grace and patience early enough. Well, I mean, it's such a powerful lesson there. And and I so appreciate you, Mike, opening up and, and bearing your soul about some of the things that along the way, were bumps in your road, but how you overcame them. So mm-hmm. uh, powerful, powerful lessons. So, so the lesson that I like to share today from my book, how to build a profitable speaking business is this, and I was almost going to change because you talked about controlling your speaking environment, mm-hmm. but we'll go with the original thought I had. And that's a few years ago, I was at an event and I watched a friend of mine being carted away in an ambulance and obviously everybody was concerned for this person, but I could also see the event promoter over on the side, probably more concerned than most, and in fact, panicking a little bit because the person being carted away in the ambulance was scheduled to be his next speaker on his agenda. So he's over there, what what am I going to do? i got a 90-minute time slot. I have to deliver content to my audience. I have to keep my promises and all that. I'm in a bind. I don't want to tap dance up there for 90 minutes. And here's where, if you're a speaker, you need to recognize that the powerful opportunity that this presents for you. And that's by having what I call the back pocket speech. And that's a second speech you're prepared to deliver on a moment's notice anywhere. So number one, you can be the hero for that promoter. You can be the one that gets them out of that bind. And when they do a future event, who are they going to think of first to bring to that event? Well, you, because you helped them out when they were in a pinch. But mm-hmm. secondly, and maybe even more important, it gives you more stage and face time with that audience. So if you have that second teaching slot where you're going to be selling you should have much better results because you've had a chance to build much more rapport with that audience. Now, you may never need that back pocket speech, but make sure you have it handy so that when that opportunity comes up, you're the one that's prepared to take advantage of it. Ever seen any of that out there, Mike? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's uh, um, And there's a lot of folks who knows me. Um, like I, I have... So I belong to a a mastermind group called Genius Network. And one of the things that Joe Polish does is he has these 10-minute talks that he lets uh, members do. So 
you got to get up and talk about something that's useful. The promise he wants you to make is that this will be worth $250,000 or more to you. And a 10 minute talk is really, really hard to do. I mean, it's short is hard. Long is easy, but I use that as an exercise where whenever I can, I'll go there and I'll speak every single time. I actually have more. I think I'm, I'm either, I'm one of the top people in terms of the, the, videos of me speaking in their entire library part of it's i've been a member for a long time but the other part is i'm just prolific and so what i always tell anyone um that when i the producer of an event is it doesn't matter what it is at a moment's notice give me five minutes notice i can be on your stage i've got a library of talks and i could teach for you know, ideally I'll say 20 minutes, but I can go 20, 40, 50. I can go half a day. I can go two days. If you got a problem, I'll fill the time. And I guarantee you, your audience is going to thank you for it. And they're going to feel like they're superhuman by the time I walk off that stage. And that ain't bragging. It's just true. And it's, it's only because I did it for 20 years, you know, and, and, at some point you you figure out the rhythm and if you've run your own events that are teaching events with sales intertwined you learn what tony robbins uh told me years ago i was at his house and he just stopped me for a second he he told me something that i was offended to hear at first until i realized how genius it was but he turned to me and he said mike I'm an entertainer. 80% of what I do is entertainment, 20% of its content. And I was like, ugh, ugh. It just, at, f- at first I hated it, but then I realized, and he told me, he said, look, if, if I'm not a great entertainer, I'm going to lose people fast. And if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, they got you in there, in those rooms, sometimes 14, 16 hours with just a couple tiny breaks. It is just nonstop barrage of music and dancing and clapping and jumping up and down, creating what he calls a peak state. And that's where and how we learn. But, you know, the biggest mistakes bad speakers make is they're boring and they put too many words on a slide and they, um, you know, I tell all my clients the same thing. You have two problems. One of them is you talk too much, you sell too little. And number two, you teach too much and sell too little. So stop that. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a rule amongst great platform speakers who close like crazy. And that is they teach very little. They entertain a lot. Yeah. That, that's kind of a catch 22 in my opinion, because I've seen speakers who at events, wow, the audience got them all fired up. They ran to the back room to buy, but they refunded it at like 60, 70% because they realized totally. it was a temporary high but there wasn't any really lasting value there, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Uh, it is yeah. a, it is a delicate mixture. And that is my friend, what we call nuance. You know, it's like, uh, um, it is hard to sit down and write a great pop song that gets played for 40 years. You know, the Beatles are the Beatles are the Beatles. And so are the stones are the stones are the stones. And you could also say like you too, is uh much the same way they've had a long career 40 years was for a reason they evolve they change they 
everything they create is nuanced. And uh, when you get past the boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, uh, drum sound and the bump, 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 uh, bass and a simple guitar and what seems like a crazy front man. And you really pay attention to the mix. Um, a great song is just like a great speech. It takes like when I did my, uh, traffic geyser pitch, which for years, that thing produced millions of dollars in sales. And I could walk into a room and close half the room. And then on top of that, we'd have, uh, I'd have people buy it a second and a third time, even though they already had my product because they liked my performance and they loved the fact that I incorporated uh, charity into my speech. I always did a, a bit about my wife's foundation and as soon as I started incorporating, you know, charity and giving back and doing international work, I started having, I, my audience went from mostly, you know, like 75% middle-aged white guys wanting to make money on the internet to uh, 65% women, 15% African-American, um, the you know fat white guy audience um looking to make free money on the internet went way down because i just changed my messaging and then later on my other uh product performance was publish and profit my book writing system for becoming a best selling author and that thing that was a 10 million dollar franchise it was unbelievable and that thing just sold like hotcakes and it uh, it was a perfect blend of a $2,000 information product followed by a $5,000 live event followed by a $25,000 year mastermind. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, we realized that if you had a good way to up-level your customers, they, uh, they just want to stick around and they wanted to be part of the party and they loved the pitch so much. I, I made... I made a ton of money just teaching how I constructed that offer and that pitch. And to this day, it's still one of my very best. I mean, I could do, I could do that today with no practice because I just know it so well. And it is a perfect pitch. Well, there's so many great lessons here today and, and great stories that you've shared. And I, if you're listening to this or watching this, I would encourage you to listen or watch it again, because Mike shared some nuggets here that, I mean, you're just not going to find from the average guy who's been out there on the street. So before we wrap it up today, Mike, what are you primarily up to these days? And if people want to get into your world, where do you want them to go? Okay. Um, thank you for that. So this is, this is my, my next act is your next act. So when I, I went through a big struggle about five years ago, um, I couldn't explain it at the time. I know what it is now, but I started waking up very depressed, um, almost suicidal. And I've always been a happy guy. I'm just like easygoing, positive. Something was wrong. And at the time I couldn't articulate it, but now I could, which is I had just burned out. I had a business that was falling apart. I didn't like it anymore. 
it wasn't fun working with my team. I hadn't felt like I had evolved in a long time. And my whole routine was buy ads online, send people to an automated webinar, sell a product, then do an event, then do an event, then doing an event. And, and what eventually happens when you're doing a lot of events where you're running them yourself is you've got your ass on the line for a contract that could cost you $250,000 if you back out. So between, I looked at my business as a giant liability suddenly that was, I was burning at, at its worst $250,000 a month I was losing. It was down to probably about 100, 150 for a little while because all of my marketing quit working all at once. There's a whole bunch of things that was sort of like the perfect storm hit. And I looked at it and to wind up that business would have cost me about 2 million bucks out of pocket cash, which would have just, there's no way I could stomach that. Well, I'll make that story short or that part of the story short, which was I figured out how to reinvent myself, wind down the business without losing money. In fact, made a bunch of money and I decided to do something that I never thought I'd ever do, which I started working one-on-one with private clients. And um, I still do some events. I still have a bit of a mastermind, but now I, I will build a brand, a business, a pitch deck, um, a campaign, a website. I'll make the individual uh, niche famous. So I write for Forbes Entrepreneur and Fast Company magazines and a couple others. So we publish content. We'll put the client in a podcast and get them basically a platform. And uh, like not long ago, we brought had a client who came in and we created a business in a week that he went out and closed a $35 million deal a couple weeks later. And our goal is to always uh, help people generate a, a million dollars in a hundred days. That's my goal. Um, so that's what I do now. And I love it. And everyone comes to me. I have got a beat actually right behind me. This picture is from my beach condo in La Jolla. My clients come stay at the condo. We spend three days together. We build a business. We spend another day in studio and we create your next act. So my gift for everyone who's watching, listening is you can go to my website, which is mikekoenigs.com slash free to get the book, Your Next Act. And it'll talk about how you can create your next act, reinvent yourself, build a better brand, a lifestyle business, a business you'll love for the rest of your life. Well, awesome stuff, Mike. And I just can't thank you enough for joining us today on the Spotlight for Speaking show. I invite everybody to join us next week as we interview another guest who has been in the speaking industry for a while. And I know a lot of them, honestly. So if you go to spotlightonspeaking.com, be sure to sign up there so that you can be notified when additional episodes come out. But until then, thank you so much for watching or listening. And my best wishes to you for the greatest of success in all that you do. Take care. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then... 
Our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business. Thank you.